Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats with Peggy Hoyt. Our goal is to keep loved pets in loving homes by educating pet parents about the importance of ensuring every pet has a forever home. For more information about creating a legacy for your pet or to listen to archive shows, visit AnimalCareTrustUSA.org or LegacyForYourPet.com. Join your host, author, estate planning attorney, and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt. Hello, pet lovers. Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt, and this show is brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt and Brian, where we create estate plans for pets and their people. Also brought to you by Animal Care Trust USA, a not-for-profit organization dedicated to keeping loved pets in loving homes. We educate pet parents about the importance of having a pet trust. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome and introduce to you our special guest. Her name is Francia Vogini, and she is president of Husky Haven of Florida. Welcome, Francia. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having us, Peggy. Well, it's my pleasure, and um, particularly because I'm a husky lover at heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a husky Labrador whose name is Wolfie, and... um, I will probably always have a husky something in the future. So um, really excited to talk about Husky Haven of Florida. And um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in huskies. Well, thank you for having us. And once you have a husky, you always want to have a husky. In fact, one husky is never enough. That's the way we like to think about them. It's kind of like potato chips, huh? Exactly. That's what they say. It's like huskies are like potato chips. You can never just have one. Um, Well, basically, I started um, rescuing dogs um, around seven years ago. Um, With the help of social media, I saw a post on Facebook, and it was this dog at a shelter, and um, there was this rescue one needing help by looking for a foster. At that time, I had no idea what a foster was, so I Googled it, and um, I called the the rescue, and I said, hey, I, I think I can help you with this. And they were like, okay, so what experience do you have? And I said, well, this would be my first foster, but I do have three huskies and um, maybe I can help this dog. And it was a senior dog. Um, Long story short, um, I ended up meeting the dog and helping this dog um, through her um, hydrotherapy. And I actually helped find the adopters too. And it so happened to be, it was a young lady that was going through um, a depression stage while she was at college. And her mom was looking for a dog to help her overcome. Um, And I feel so lonely. So this dog, her her name is Maggie. Her name was Maggie. And um, she was just so special. And um, I actually drove the dog to Tennessee around Florida. But we drove the dog to Tennessee and saw her in her new home. And um, this young lady overcame her depression with the help of Maggie. And um, she really helped her at the time that it was most needed. And um, unfortunately, Maggie, Maggie didn't live much longer than a year with her, but it was enough for me to know that this was my calling. And I saw such a transformation from her owning Maggie and Maggie just living the best last few months of her life with her. And it just completely transformed. And I I knew that this was my calling. I love that story. So you already had Huskies when you got involved with um, Maggie. Yes, I actually had three Huskies. Um, I actually still have them. Um, One of them is 
14 and the other two are 13 years old and I call them my golden girls. Um, I just never had an idea that these dogs being so pretty and, and just incredibly sweet and great dogs for dying at shelters because there were no, um, there were no, not enough people to adopt them or not enough um, people that knew about the breed and they just gave up on them. And I, I had seriously no idea that dogs were putting, being put down every single day at shelters because of them even being overcrowded. And um, I just couldn't imagine any of my dogs going through that. And I decided that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to help us find their new homes. Oh, that's so great. So tell us, what is it about Huskies that makes them special or maybe even a little hard to adopt? (laughs) Well, Huskies are very, they're pack dogs, first of all, and they are very stubborn. They're very, very smart, but they're very, very stubborn. Um, At the beginning of their, um, I would say in their teenagers years, which is around one to two and three years so they, they can be very very hyper um they are um because they they are used to their pack they need other dogs to help them um channel their energy and and burn that energy and unfortunately a lot of people do not understand them they go to the puppy stores they see this beautiful husky with blue eyes or brown eyes or mixed eyes and they see their coat and their tails and just their beautiful faces and they're like oh i just love that this puppy and then they purchase this puppy without having no clue as of the needs of this particular breed um and then once they get home and they see that they have a lot of energy and they have they're constantly shedding it's 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 an enormous amount of fur and you just have to be very disciplined for that uh, to continue the maintenance of their grooming and everything that is involved and a lot of people just give up so i think um yes they're beautiful yes they're energetic yes they're fun they talk they're very very vocal they howl um but they have this amazing loyal fun loving personality that just makes you fall in love with them and and i think that's what attracts people when they see these videos of these huskies doing silly stuff and then they're like i want a husky without completely doing the research i mean they're great dogs but it's definitely not for everybody well and you're absolutely right they are shedding machines mm-hmm. yes it is it's crazy try having five <laughs> Oh my gosh. I I have just the one. And when he's blowing his coat, my goodness, I throw away a few dogs worth of hair every day. I feel like mm-hmm. we say we have another dog. As soon as we brush one of them, we have another one. So instead of yep. having five, we have 10. <laughs> well, and I always say that the, uh, the birds and the squirrels and the rabbits in my neighborhood probably have the nicest nests for their families because they get all of this nice, fluffy, husky undercoat. Exactly. That's what we say. We we actually save it for the birds. We save it for for their birds. But nowadays, you can actually make like even Christmas ornaments with it, and that's a nice keepsake for you know for you to keep forever. Oh, that is a good idea. I like mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. So huskies do have a reputation as being. Um, and, and as you mentioned, when they're in their teens, they can be hyper and they can be a little bit stubborn. And uh, my experience is that they like to roam a little bit, too. Yes, they are great escape artists. I, can, I, I envy anybody that I see them walking a dog without a leash. Um, <laughs> for me, walking my dog without a leash would be a total panic attack. 
they are they must be leashed all the time and the moment that for anything just if the leash falls out you like go into panic mode and they pull they're they're used to these are working dogs they're used to be pulling they're used to have six or 12 dogs and just pull they're they're that's what they do and, and unfortunately for them running away from their owners it's a game for us we're in panic mode but for them it's like hey this is fun i'm out of a leash here we go well, you're right. That is funny because I know any time that Wolfie gets a hold of uh, something that he's not supposed to have, and if you say to him, Wolfie, what do you have? He immediately takes off running. Like, mm-hmm. chase me and maybe you'll find out. Oh, yes. It's, it's, it's fun for them, but for us, it's total panic mode. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree with that. Although he's pretty good, actually, off-leash. He's just not great. I will say that my... Wolfie is not great at being introduced to other dogs on his property. I have to introduce him to another dog in a kind of a neutral setting before they can come onto his property. Yeah, and that is the proper way to introduction for sure. That way they don't feel competition with the new dog coming in. I mean, after all, it is their kingdom. So at any point that they feel that that is being in jeopardy, they're going to react a little different, which is totally understandable. Yeah, and you it goes along with that pack mentality. I mean, he wants to know where he uh, falls in the pack, right? Am I the leader or am I going to be something else? Correct. They are very pack orientated and they immediately know who the leader is. Um, and at your house, I'm sure that's you. <laughs> well, um, yes, yes, yes. I, I do let them get away with murder at my house, but it's only because they, they know that they have boundaries. Unfortunately, a lot of um, husky owners do not know how to set boundaries. And I think that is a major problem with somebody that is, that purchases a husky instead of actually knowing about the breed is that they have to set boundaries. That is the most important thing to having a, a happy husky is that they know what their boundaries are. They know what they can get away with and they should know what they can get away with. And once that is established, they are actually pretty good. Okay. Good advice. Set good boundaries mm-hmm. for huskies. Um, tell mm-hmm. us about some of your adoptable fur babies on your site. All of our um, dogs um, on our website, and they usually come from shelters or they come from owner surrenders. We do an extensive assessment of them in if they're being surrendered or if they're coming from the shelters. Um, we allow them to, we will not we allow them, but we um, have a minimum of two weeks stay at a foster home. So we learn about their personalities and what, how if they're good with children, if they're good with dogs, if some of them can't even be good with cats, but not all huskies. That's usually, they usually have a high prey drive. Um, but we get to know a lot of their personalities. And once we do that, we write their bio. And we feel that we write their bios in as if the dog is talking to you because we want their personality to shine. We don't want, we want to make sure that whoever reads their bio says, hmm, it's talking to me. It's appealing to my, to my home. It's appealing to my heart. And we just want to capture that part of their personality to see if the person that is looking to adopt the husky, if that is what they're looking for. Um, But all of them have been coming from situations that they just end up in shelters um, or just 
people moving out and or a husky usually huskies are on the restricted breed on many of the apartments so if somebody moves from one apartment to one to from a house and maybe to an apartment they probably can no longer take them um and that's where we step in we we try to find a foster and help them out before even going to the shelter because the shelter is a very scary place i mean me as a human i go to a shelter and I just get super depressed by seeing the dogs in the shelters, but it's a necessary thing that I have to do. Now, I cannot imagine just being there and in a place noisy. So a lot of these dogs, once they go to the shelters, they, they, they do become depressed and they begin to act out, especially a husky that has a lot of high energy being in a kennel. Absolutely. And, uh, and you mentioned a really important thing about huskies is that they do tend to have a really high prey drive. Um, and not to say that they can't get along with cats, because I will say that my Wolfie loves, loves, loves cats. Um, but if you're a mouse or a raccoon or another little critter and you come into his yard, um, that may not be a good day for you. Oh, yes. I actually have a cat. <laughs> I have a cat with my five huskies. And they do not even, like, they leave them alone. They know that the low is the king um but if they see a cat outside the house it's very very different so they they know the difference i think you're right they do know the difference and i'm going to do a little public service announcement for my favorite adoptable that you have um and and not i'm not playing favorites but i just she just appealed to me she spoke to my heart so i want to talk about her for a minute and maybe she'll get a forever home her name is Stormy, and she's a four-year-old girl, and she can be a little bit shy, but her perfect family would be a family where she could be the only princess living there. Um, and so if someone's listening today that is a husky lover and they have room in their heart for a four-year-old female and they don't have any other dogs or cats, that might be a good match. So tell us about the adoption process again. Um, Francia, what, what kind of things do people have to do to um, become an adopter? Um, we have our application is online. It is six pages long. It could be a little intimidating, but there's a reason for that. Um, usually somebody that has the patience to fill out a six-page application is somebody that is really interested in adopting and making that pet part of their family. The second thing is that we get to learn more about the person applying and their family as a whole. We also get to learn if they have a lot of kids coming in. For example, maybe this dog is not good with small kids. So we learn if they have a lot of kids visiting, if they have a fenced yard, if they need an active dog, if they need a more mellow dog, if they have other dogs in their homes. It is a pretty lengthy application, as I said, but it's very important because we learn so much from this application. After that, we, um, we call the vet and we um, verify that indeed the, the dogs are seen regularly, at least annually, and they're on heartworm prevention and also on flea and tick prevention. Um, and we um, basically ask the vet if they consider them a good pet owner. Now, you don't have to have had a pet before, but sometimes it's their first dog. So we try to make sure that the dog that they are interested in is good for a first timer. Um, then we have an interview with the family and we talk um, what they're looking for in a dog and it gives us a better idea of helping them place the right dog with this family. We call their references and then finally we do a home check where we go to the home. We go to the home and um, 
and we check the fence. We go and see if there's any escape areas that the dog might get, might try to dig under. Um, and we explain to them why those things maybe may need to be addressed before the applic- before the adoption process. So once everything is done um, and everything has passed, then we do the meet and greet, and usually they they find out if the dog is a good fit or not. So it, it could be a little lengthy, but it's it's all about trying the right trying to find the right fit for the family. Well, and we always want that forever placement because you don't want to get the dog back and have to go through the process all over again. You want it to be a forever home. Um, and so I completely understand that. I I know sometimes people express frustration about um, the hoops that they have to jump through when they're adopting a dog. But I, I think all of those are completely reasonable and acceptable. And, and you do want to make sure that it's a, the right family for the right dog. Well, the, the other thing that it's very important to mention is that these dogs already have gone through something very emotional and traumatic for them. The fact that they lost their home, the fact that they end up in a shelter, the fact that they and that they the life that they knew they no longer have, and all of a sudden they're placed in another home, and then they go to another home. So we we try to avoid it all possible that they're they're going to be bounced around. Um, we want to make sure that number one, we find the right fit for this family, but also the right fit for the dog. For us, it's it's not about a numbers in adoptions, it's about finding the right fit for the family. Sometimes people go into our website and think that this is the dog that they like, but after we do the interview and we kind of know what their lifestyle is, we usually tell them about this other dog and they're they're very grateful because at the end of the day it's not about how they look but it's about a com- compatibility with the family and the dog and I think that is the most important thing is about the compatibility be- between them because we want to make this a forever not a temporary thing. Absolutely. So I, I know that uh, you're here in Florida and in fact the name of your organization is Husky Haven of Florida. Um, Sometimes people say, you can't have a Husky in Florida. They're cold weather dogs. How do you respond to that? That is the million dollar question. And a lot of times, actually, people from other states say, it's so cruel to have a Husky in Florida. It is contrary to what everybody believes. Yes, these dogs are made for working and they're um, they're used to pulling sleds up in Alaska. And, and you know, they're, 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 that's what they were for. However, Husky's fur is it's very smart. It's, it's like insulation. If they are in Alaska, their second coat, they have a second layer of hair. That layer basically is like insulation. And basically what it does, it protects them from the cold weather when it's cold, but it also protects them from the heat. So a lot of the times, even our Huskies, I could take them out at the backyard and obviously we take them out early in the morning or later in the afternoon when it's not so hot and you would see them specifically go into the areas where the sun is hitting them so they sunbathe instead of going to the shade area and you would think that it's contrary that they would try to go to a place that it's shaded no they're just they're sunbathing so it's so cute to see in them that a lot of people have this misconception that they wouldn't do well in Florida and and it's it's Yes, they would love the cold weather, but they do really well in Florida as long as they're taken 
taken out at the appropriate times. Um, and they obviously be hydrated and everything. But we actually have a big club of Huskies here in Florida. We um, gather when it's co- in the cooler months. We actually gather once a, once a month um, or even on weekends when it's cold at different parts in the Orlando area or in the central Florida area. And you can easily see seven to 80 Huskies on a meet. And they just all run around and they're like, oh, my God, so many Huskies. And it's it's just it's amazing how people really get surprised that they're happy in Florida. Well, and it's funny that you say that because I notice very, very regularly Wolfie will pick even the hottest part of the day if we're outside and he'll go lay right in the sun and you're like, what is that dog doing? (laughs) But he he loves to sunbathe and uh, doesn't seem to bother him in the least. And of course, you know, we do keep him well brushed and, uh, but he loves, he loves his sun baths, just like you're saying. So, Mm -hmm. um, Let's say that we've got some listeners today that um, say, wow, I love everything that they're saying about Huskies. And I don't know if I would like to adopt one, but I might like to be a foster parent. How does somebody become a foster parent with Husky Haven of Florida? Yes. And and I actually would say if anybody is interested in a Husky, become first a foster. Because basically, as a foster, you get to learn about the breed itself. And then you'll know if this is actually the type the type of the breed that you would like to adopt um, and a lot of times when it's a first-time foster we um, we tell them we give them an easy foster but the application is online and we um, actually have a video on our volunteers group and we tell them everything what to expect what not to expect um, this is what you have to do we provide everything we provide all the medical care for the dogs we even provide monthly prevention we provide the heart part we provide the next part which is for fleas and ticks we give them a leash we give them a collar we give them tags we microchip our dogs um, we give them crates we give them balls we give them food everything is provided for a foster absolutely everything the foster provides the loving home and the most important thing, love and time, because that's what a lot of these dogs need is love and time to find their forever home. Um, and and basically we are, we feel sometimes like we're um, doctors because we're literally on call 24-7. We have our phones and if a foster ever has a question, they immediately can send us a message via messenger and we're right there to help them out. So we help them through the, even through the training process, we help the whole process from the time that they get their dog the dog to the time that they get adopted Um, but it's very very easy they go online they fill out an application say hey I'm not ready to adopt but I am I would love to foster and that itself is is a huge life-saving stage for a dog to be safe from a shelter well, and, and it's especially important for Husky Haven of Florida because um, you don't have a shelter facility and you rely on your fosters as a way for taking more dogs into um, the organization. Is that right? That is correct. We are 100% foster based and we're also 100% volunteer based. Our volunteers and our fosters are very committed. They're very, very loyal um, to our group. And one thing that um, I think um, for us is if we have happy fosters and happy volunteers, we can continue helping saving lives. Um, but all of our dogs are, yes, in foster homes. They, we do not have a physical location. We do not have um, anywhere specifically. We solely rely on volunteers and fosters to help these dogs. 
I, I think that's a great way to operate an organization, but obviously you need money too. So talk to us about how listeners can help and, and how you do your fundraising. Mm-hmm. Well, pre-COVID, we used to have a lot of fundraisers. Um, we used to have um, places where we would, we would go and um, they had the, a lot of pet expos and stuff like that. Um, we used to go to fairs and markets and just talk about Husky Haven. And we would talk, we would go to PetSmart, actually Petco, and we would take our dogs and um, people would go and meet them and we would basically talk about the rescue and everything that we do. Um, but after COVID, it has been really, really hard because 70% of, our, of the money that comes in it specifically goes for the medical needs of these dogs. So we have to come up with a way to um, get the funds to be able to do that. So now everything that we're doing is basically online. We have actually, we have um, masks right now that we have on our website and we have on our Facebook page that we are selling to help our dogs because we cannot specifically go to any doggy events and um, sell our normal merchandise that we um, sell to get the funds to help these dogs. Um, a lot of people also help us by even donating like 10 15 $20 a month. Um, basically, it's a lunch and um, you're helping a dog that way too. Um, again, we provide, we have had dogs um, that have had extensive, extensive medical needs. And for us, it's really, really hard to say no, especially if a dog needs um, a medical procedure, but we make it happen. And um, I think that one of the things that we um, really value are our supporters. Our supporters um, know exactly where the money goes. Our supporters know that we take care of our dogs. They know that we are committed to them. And um, I think once they know about the organization and how much we do, and we're very transparent in everything that we do, and we, we let them know the story from the beginning to the end, they appreciate that. They, they like to know that their support is, is actually for saving that dog. And, and I think um, that is one of the things that we really, really are very lucky in is that the fact that we're able to provide that transparency and show them how much of a difference it makes because they support us. Well, and I do love the masks that you have available on your site. You have some really cute ones, the Adopt Don't Shop and uh, lots of different Husky um, choices. But also there's uh, some kitty choices on there, too. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. A yeah, little bit we, of something for everybody. <laughs> we try. Um, so tell us other ways that we can help. So obviously you'll take just outright donations. Um, do you need, uh, do you have like a wish list, um, Francia, of things that the organization needs? Yes, we have our Amazon. Um, Amazon, we have a wish list in there. Another thing is, um, which is really, really great, and you don't even have to donate extra money to it, is if you go to Smile Dead Amazon, Smile on Amazon, and you you can support your charity, and Amazon will directly um, give a part of their profits to our charity. Um, so you would just have to look for us as Husky Haven of Florida, Inc., and if you have any questions, you can email us. But basically, you don't have to do anything. You just go and do your normal shopping, and then Amazon supports us by giving us a percentage of, of their sales, um, which is That great. is a terrific Amazon program. program. You're right. Yes. 
Um, and then we have, um, sometimes we post fundraisers online specifically for certain dogs that have a lot of medical needs. That's a great way to support us. Um, word of mouth, or sometimes people, and we understand these are hard times, um, even sharing posts on our Facebook page, um, that sometimes makes a world of difference because we get the word out and some you never know who, maybe I can't donate this time, but maybe somebody else would. And maybe that story of this particular dog touch somebody else's on your Facebook page or on your Instagram page. And, and that just that sharing just really helps us. It, it really is just a sharing button. Social media is so big and we rely on it so much, especially during these times for us. Um, it has been a lifesaver. It is a great way to get the message out. And, and I know you do appreciate when people can share and they can go to your page and, and like you and uh, message you and donate all from uh, the Facebook page as well. Mm-hmm. And, and you know that 100% of that specifically goes to dogs. And, and I, that is very few organizations do that. And we're proud that we're able to do that because of our committed volunteers that do this completely for free under time and, every single time that they they have other choices and they choose us and we're grateful to that where our volunteers are truly the best i can only imagine and i'm sure that they are so let's talk about a special group of dogs that you have though and we call those the handy capables tell us about them our handy capables is it's, I think it's going to be one year now that we brought together this program. And it's one of our favorite programs. Um, we basically have a division of Husky Haven of Florida where we have the group of dogs that have, that they could be blind or missing limbs um, or they have some other um, medical, um, I wouldn't say medical need, but basically they had medical challenges that they have overcome. And basically what we do is um, we, Maple is the head, the face of the Handicapables and Maple is a, it's a tiny little husky that came with congenital um, deformities, but she is the happiest, happiest, happiest doggy in the world. And uh, we take her and her brother, which is missing his back two limbs, and he actually walks on his front two limbs. His name is um, Dallas. And basically, we go to schools and we talk about being different is actually being cool and how different makes them um, have other parts of them been brought out. And for example, Maple, she doesn't really care that she has two front legs with deformity. She's just happy. And that's the message that we want to take to kids. It's like, no matter what is different in you, you can still be happy. And to focus, and one thing that we, I, I, I love this though, because I think a lot of times us as humans, and we saw this uh, when we first started with our handicapable programs, and we used to say, oh, unfortunately, we're going to have to amputate this leg. Unfortunately, they're going to have to do an enucleation, which is the removal of one eye or two eyes um, because of a medical condition that it has to be addressed. And, um, and we were like, oh my God, I can't believe he's going to lose a limb. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe that we're going to have to do an enucleation. The worry wasn't us because the moment that that dog had the surgery, the second day that dog would be happy. And we could not, it was often us. We humans are the ones that see a disability, but dogs don't. And we want to take that message to, we were actually taking that message um, before COVID to the schools. And a lot of kids, the first thing that they saw 
Um, it was it was just such an eye-opening experience. We would take Maple in Dallas, and they would say, what do you see? The first thing that the kids would say is, I see a husky. They never saw the wheel. They saw the wheelchair, but that wasn't the first thing that they focused on. They saw Maples with the front two legs being deformed. That's not the first thing that they saw. They're like, oh, we see a husky. And that was such an eye-opening experience for us, and we were like, we're on the right track. We want to take that message, and and we just love our program, and um, we want to get back to the schools and continue with our message. Oh, and and I'm sure that this, the children just love seeing the dogs as well. And then you have a a, a special program just for fostering the handy capables too. Correct. Yes, um, we have actually Aaron is still in this program, and he's um, he came actually all the way from um, Nevada and he lost his back two limbs and he's in a foster house and he also goes, he's, Oh my God, Aaron, Aaron is on our website. He is just the happiest, happiest, happiest Husky. I mean, he has such vivacious eyes and such a bright smile. And it's like, he sees you and he goes to hug you. And it's just, I just, I, I think we can all learn from them. <laughs> Absolutely. He does have vivacious eyes. I think that's a great right? way to describe his eyes, as a matter of fact, when you look at his beautiful picture on the site. So how do you come up with the names for all your dogs? Um, well, I can't call you, for example, Maple. Maple is because she was super sweet. We name another one Holly because she came during the time of Christmas. Um, Dallas... Um, Dallas was because he was safe from Texas. Aaron, because it means strength. Um, those are handy, capable names. So we try to pick names that would actually fit their personality. Uh, but many times, like for other dogs that come um, that are not from the handy, capable programs, we try to leave them with the, with the names that they give them. And especially if they're surrenders, that's what it's familiar to them. Um, a lot of people, when they even adopt the dog, they want to change their names. And we're like, well... You know, you can, but try to do it slowly because can you imagine strip out of everything you know, and then the one thing that you take along with you is your name, and then they change it. It's right. like the only thing that is familiar to you has been taken away, down to your name. So we always tell the people, like, try to keep their name, and if you can, try to change it smoothly and, and slowly. Um, but we, we always encourage them to keep their names. That's that's interesting because I've actually heard the opposite philosophy sometimes, especially if a dog comes out of a particularly bad situation, that they say sometimes changing their name helps them have a whole new outlook on life. I don't know. We've seen the contrary. If somebody yep. comes and calls me a different name, it would be like it would take you a while for me to catch for them to catch my attention. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, I'm I'm here to report that my dog Wolfie came with his name Wolfie. Um, oh, that's great. His entire litter was uh, they called them the Spice Pups. Um, they okay. were all surrendered at the same time. There were seven of them, and uh, so they were all gave given some sort of a spice name like cinnamon or pepper or. Uh, Cumin. They had all these weird names, and then they must have run out of names, and they named Wolfie Wolfsbane. And uh, <laughs> it's not really a spice, and it's not really a dog, so he ended up with Wolfie. And the interesting story, and this I hope people will take to heart too, is when I adopted Wolfie, he was being fostered by a family in Maryland, and um, 
I met the foster family at the adoption center up in Maryland. I flew all the way up to Maryland to get him. And um, that family and we have stayed in touch and they are now some of our very closest best friends. It's, I, I love that. I love that. And that's actually one of the things that separates us a lot from other rescues is that we keep in touch with the adopters and um, they become our friends. I mean, it's like, especially if you foster a dog, it's like they're part of your family. You cannot just all of a sudden forget about them. So it's, that's great that you keep in touch with them. I, we encourage all our fosters to do that because it really, when they do that, they really feel that they see the full circle. They really feel part of the process. And I think that is very important as a foster to realize that whatever, when you foster, you made a difference. Absolutely. Well, I have seven personal dogs and uh, I still foster um, when I can um, because I, I think it's great to bring another dog into my pack and to mm -hmm. give it the opportunity that it needs to find a loving home. And of course, I know a lot of people who are dog lovers and I get personally invested in, you know, where that foster ends up. And um, I just I love that part of the process. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's it's definitely makes a huge difference. Yep. Well, and and lucky for me, I have this wonderful client base as well that I'm always talking to people about whether or not they have pets and if they're looking for a dog, my clients often call me and say, "Hey, Peggy, can you help us find a dog?" And um and I I'm with you. Not all dogs um are suited for all people it you really have to figure out what's their lifestyle what are their wants what are their needs what are the breeds that are possibilities and um and make that good fit absolutely that is definitely one of the most important things that we need to focus on as a rescue well, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to talk to us about Husky Haven of Florida and all your wonderful dogs. There are approximately 10 dogs right now that are available for adoption. Um, lots of opportunities to volunteer, to foster, to participate in fundraisers. Check out their mask fundraiser. Go to their Facebook page and like it and go to their Instagram page and like it and even um, they have a special Instagram page just for maple so you can go and like that mm -hmm. as well um, what would you leave us with here today uh, Francia the most important thing I think um, it's, it's definitely finding uh, what your purpose is and um, I found it in dogs and I think that it has definitely enriched my life as much as I hope that I have enriched theirs um, and that's that's just wonderful once once you know that and that helping a dog, you're not only helping the dog, but you're helping a family, finding their companion and who knows, maybe they're their own companion. Right. So uh, I think that's very good advice. So we thank you. We thank all the volunteers at Husky Haven of Florida. And we especially appreciate all the dogs that um, you have cared for over the years. And uh, I will... Um, post all of your information on our blog so that people can find you and reach out to you. So thank you so much. And um, to our listeners, you know where you can find us. We're on Facebook at All My Children Wear Fur Coats. You can find us on Twitter at Kids in Fur Coats. And you can find us each and every week here on 
All My Children Wear Fur Coats on Buzzsprout or wherever you get your podcasts. You know my favorite saying, it is until there are none, please adopt one. And we'll see you next time. Happy tales. Thank you for joining us on All My Children Wear Fur Coats with your host, Peggy Hoyt. We hope you learned something valuable for the benefit of your pet. We want to keep loved pets in loving homes by educating pet parents about the importance of ensuring every pet has a forever home. Get more information about creating a legacy for your pet at AnimalCareTrustUSA.org or LegacyForYourPet.com. Buy a copy of All My Children Wear Fur Coats, How to Leave a Legacy for Your Pet on Amazon. Join our email list or make a donation. Pet professionals and advisors are invited to join our trusted advisor network. Until next time, happy tales!